This is Coda Radio, episode 190 for February 1st, 2016. Welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode's brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this year's show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent, established East Coast-like host who is avoiding the West Coast. Why, yes, folks, it's Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello there, Michael. West Coast, worst coast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, says you. I tell you what, I, I, I challenge you to take a visit to the Pacific Northwest one of these times and just see what I'm talking about. Just just take Linux Fest is coming up. Consider it. Just consider it. It's beautiful out here. And there's there's nice areas you could go hide in that are extremely high energy, uh, freaking out about every little detail, New York Minute style places, too, that you'd be very happy in. You know, the thing I like about New York is you can just hide in plain sight, right? Because no one knows who you are. You're just another random, kind of short, squirrely looking dude. And the fact that you're not talking to yourself about the end being nigh is a feature. Well, there's there is you know that is a little harder to do where I where I uh, where I have myself uh, living. But I would say you could go to Seattle. You get that experience. You get that experience, Mr. Dominic. You sound tense this week. How are you doing? I'm good. It's a tiring day. I'm uh, I'm cogitating. Is, <laughs> what is know, that? What is cogitating? Cogitating means considering or thinking. Oh, I like that. You're, you see, your 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 cog as in cognition. I yes. see. Uh huh. Yes. Good. There's a, there's a lot of um, I'll put it into terms uh, a good Unix man can understand. Uh huh. There are threads. Uh huh. And they are running. These processes may or may not be linking the system. Yeah. And crashing it. Yeah. But yes. Are threads and they are running, and they all, all of them, avoid the West Coast. Well, can I close a thread from the West Coast? Uh, just close to it. circle back, I mentioned during the pre-show, but while I was at Scale uh, last two what was it two weeks ago? Jeez, I feel like I've just gotten back because uh, you know when you get back from a trip, there's so much work stuff to get caught up on that that is a lost week. And so I feel like I've literally this is my first week back from Scale, even though it's actually my second week back. And uh, I got a, I got a few people there repping the Coda Radio. Uh, so they'd love to see you one of these days. They said hi, and they missed you. And I explained the whole West Coast aversion thing. And, I, and they, they somewhat seem to understand, actually. So, I, you know, I just don't understand people on the West Coast is really what it is. I, I Even in casual conversation, there's this weird culture clash. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, I often wonder what West Coast people think of us East Coast guys like. Well, I, I suppose we don't really have. Uh, I mean, when I think of somebody on the East Coast, I might think maybe they're a little a little curt. Uh, uh, perhaps they tend to be more blunt with their language. Uh, oh, is that what you? Think? P- potentially, that's a possibility. Um, and if they're a driver, I would maybe classify them as more of an aggressive style driver. Yes, yes. You know, I've been told that I can be very direct and very binary by people on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, where I think people on the West Coast, uh, maybe their conversations often tend to be uh, more, uh, they talk about uh, things that are less offensive or less less grabbing. Um, you could say more small talk, but at the same time, it creates sort of a nice, friendly neighborhood you know, uh, atmosphere. I, 
I have to say the West Coast, and particularly the startup space, has this weird dialect of English that's like – yeah. Like, for instance, um, I did not know till relatively recently that just wanted to sync up with you was actually a bad thing. Because I use let's sync up like, hey, let's just jump on a call, right, like a very casual thing. Apparently, there is a negative connotation to that. As in, like, we've fallen out of sync. Right, right, exactly. I did not get that. Um, I, I, you know, I like, don't know if I think that's a universal thing because I could say, I okay. could say, hey, can we sync up real quick? And that would literally could just mean let's just exchange information. I could see how it means also, well, our communication is broken down and it's a euphemism for saying let's get our communication back on the right track. I could see that. I, I, see, I yeah, I'm not um, to the point where I've had problems communicating, especially with folks from California, like, you know, one of the night and, and there's a lot to spat about the East Coast, right? But one of the <laughs> nice things about the East Coast, in particular, is no one's shy about talking about money, oh. right? Especially in a business context. Yeah, that is that is that scene you know, out in the West. Yeah, that is a super awkward thing to the point when right. I first no started working, I, right. I I had no idea how to bring that question up to my clients, and I, it was it was the most difficult yeah. thing. Yeah, now this is like a, especially like the whole "Hey, this invoice is thirty days late" conversation. Is much easier on the East Coast because I think people on the East Coast expect the "you didn't pay me, so I'm not doing anything" position pretty, pretty much immediately. Where folks on the West Coast are like, "Oh, but we've had process and accounting and blah blah blah." And yeah, yeah, that is absolutely you've absolutely nailed it. That is a thing, and it is extremely hard to navigate, especially when you don't you don't have the full business vocabulary on how to address these things, and you don't even really What's fully that, understand like, your value, and so you it, don't you don't understand right, like. Right. And, and and they'll take advantage of you. Well, I don't even think it's taking advantage. Like, I it, think it, some of the old, some of the people. Think I think is? I think some of the older, you know, like really small businesses I worked for, where there's like a guy who's worked there for forty years, and he's got a he's got a gal in the front, and they, you know, it's a it's a really small operation. I think yeah, those guys did take advantage of me. Interesting. I've always seen it as kind of like, and this is probably not a, a feature, not a bug, right? Where you know the West Coast, particularly the startup scene, has learned to kind of get their business processes down to a science to the point where, you know, they avoid accounting problems, things like that, mm-hmm. to where they have silly rules like, oh, if we didn't get it by 2 o'clock, we can't yes. pay. right, yes. Where on the East Coast, no problem. So until it gets paid, we're just not going to do anything. Yeah, that that's position, definitely so, – like, yeah, yeah, there's systems that, and processes that we implement right. that so that way we don't have to talk about it. You just follow the process. Exactly. And if you break the process, it's like, well, you broke the process, right? Like it's you've done this horrible thing. Now, this is not a real-world situation at all. Um, I, I, I feel like I've had this happen to me a lot. Well, I've had to do it several times, but again, years ago, but on the East Coast, it always works so much better of like, no problem, till I see cash in hand, I'm not doing anything. Thanks, bye. So uh, one, of, you know, one of the things is like you literally uh, – I don't know if this is common for you, but like Angela was very handy because she had past experience as an actual collections agent, so – she served that role as the person doing the invoicing. Also, she played a role as collections because eventually I needed to have somebody who could talk about money very bluntly. And I can't do it. I just I, – I, I am too West Coast that way. It is generally – it is a deficiency of mine. I've gotten better as I've gotten older and more passionate about my business. But back then, like, I didn't fully know, like, what I should say to my clients. And after all, they're my clients, right? And so having – I needed to have someone that could play a heavy – 
And that's a pretty common thing on the West Coast is your billing person has to play the heavy. I don't know if that's super common on the East Coast or not because a lot – you know, uh, like you know, the way it's set up here is none of – nobody – Nobody talks money. Uh, Angela will talk money, you know. But I like, and I, I actually even here in, in, in JB, I don't really talk money at all. I don't, I don't really want to be involved with it. It's a, it's a weird thing that, uh, that is sort of uh, been yeah, just so, sort of passed on to each person over here. Like it is very awful. You really nailed me. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because when I, when I first started like freelancing on my own, I was a super softy and I had all kinds of problems. Like paying rent, right? Like, because people paid whenever the hell they thought they were going to pay. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I definitely evolved into being more of a heavy. But I, I've come down to this like Dominic universal theory of accounts receivable. Would you like to hear it? Oh God, yes! I, this sounds great. <laughs> a client who cannot pay you on time, and this is particularly true of kickoff invoices, right? So any client who, even three or four days delay from when they say it is at the kickoff. And if the delay is an accounting process or something like that, yeah. it's going to be a problem, period. And, and, I, and I have like honed this theory to there is a direct linear correlation between, uh, let's call it promptness of payments and, quote, perceived value in the work. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And then, so do you get like in the back of your mind, you're like, get it out of I gotta here. get the, I gotta stop working, or, or do you? Well, now this I is just put, a, this I is just a maintenance client. Clauses. I just put kill clauses on all my contracts. So if an, if an invoice is like, it's I think it's like fourteen or twenty days past due, I have the right to just write an email and say I'm abandoning the project. That's really smart. And you know, I, well, it, it's financially, it's an insane business move, right? But it turns out that there's a that the correlation is so strong. Oh yeah, no, no, like, yeah, and it's yeah. not. I wouldn't. I would argue just at what they value the work. I would say it's often indicative of how smooth the business works overall. Exactly, uh, and, and how and how they own up their how they own up their commitments, which is also going to influence all of their other relationships, which will come into play over time. The longer you work with them. Well, the other one, of course, is how thoroughly they looked at the proposal you sent them with the spec of work to be done and what was, and more importantly, wasn't going to be in it. Yeah, yeah. Because I I cannot tell you how many times I've had people not read contracts. Oh, of course, yeah, especially if they're not taking you seriously or they don't take the work seriously. It depends on who's, Whether, who you're working with. Like Whether like a side project for them or, yeah. or something crazy like that. And then they feel like, well, I know that's what it says, but I don't think that was the spirit of what we discussed. Yeah, and you, you know, it really is one of those things that until you've experienced it, you, you kind of are super reluctant to really be hard-nosed here because you feel like you're so, you're so thankful to have work. That I don't know. I, I don't feel. It. I mean, I, I you know the first couple of times. I sure did early on. I mean, I, that, was, that was that was. I felt it the first few times, and then I got really cheated. And, you know, it ended up being one of those situations where the person kept doing – this is a long time ago. It was just me freelancing. All these little individual change orders. Yeah, we'll pay for it. We'll pay for it. We'll pay for it. Six months go by, and they – you know, we did, I did hundreds of hours of work for these, quote, change orders. <laughs> but they had changed the spec, so the spec didn't match the contract we had. So what did they do? They wanted to settle on their own terms. Oh, of course, because now it's no longer relevant. And, that contract right, and doesn't. And now they're like, well, I mean, we have this contract, and you didn't do the job that was supposed to be paid. Oh, of course. For, so really, we shouldn't pay you at all, right? Right. <laughs> my my personal favorite my my personal favorite was 
the justification that I told myself early on, I only did this a few times, but what it was, was I, I, I told myself even building up a client base for references and experience is worth a lot of money. So it's okay. Um, it is not. I've had clients yeah. who I've done work for where the work was highly successful and because of a personal falling out, I can't use them as a reference because they freaking hate me. <laughs> yeah. Like, and the personal falling out is always, guys, you didn't pay me in four months. Right. Yeah. And I will uh, your emergency app store update. Like, and this is, I just want to throw this out here. This is one reason why the dev consulting is not exactly the best business to be in <laughs> because it's, very subjective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Consulting is a hard gig to begin with. Yeah, I mean, Adam from Vancouver's got it. Under promises, over delivers garbage, right? Because it's just not true. Now, if you're doing a product, maybe you can do that. Because the worst case is someone tries to get a refund for a unit of a product. Yeah. But consulting, you have this other person on the other side of the table who almost invariably does not, you know, there's no amount of documentation. There's no amount of discovery you can do where you're going to 100% understand each other. So there's going to be this kind of gap. Now, usually you put a margin in there to cover the gap, but sometimes, you know, I, I in fact, I had had a call, have a call very recently with someone. I was doing something for them. And they literally want to change the product, mm. like to a totally different space, like totally. Different. Now, now, how do you person, communicate to them that hey, this is a this is a total restart? How do you communicate that to them? And well, how and, and do, how do you do that if they're yeah. already you know several several iterations into something where they've spent money? That's a very difficult conversation. Yeah, it's a difficult conversation. I mean, luckily, the person in this case was reasonable, but I cannot stress hard enough, like. You know, the the nature of the consulting business is one of you're constantly trying to figure out what's in somebody's head. One, that's impossible. Two, even if you were somehow psychic for a day, that's a moving target, right? I mean, it, it really is. And a bad habit, too, is sometimes people believe their own marketing. You know, your thing is not the next Facebook. I hate to tell you. <laughs> There is no next Facebook, right? Facebook will buy them or sue them into bankruptcy if that ever happens. Like, really, that's how the system works. Um, no apps are going to make any significant amount of money for the foreseeable future. So I have a dirty story to tell. Ooh, um, yeah. is, oh, is this the one with that that, uh, that uh, African-American guy from no, last week? No, no, oh. that's that's for our other podcast that we're releasing in secret. I, uh, I worked for a client that uh, I, I just – I, I don't know where I don't know where my head was at, but I know that from the day I took the job to the day that they had to let me go because they were shutting down, I knew it was never, ever, ever, ever going to work. And uh, it was going to be an MMO that they. Oh God! Uh, I'm already scared. Yeah, okay. They that they thought would compete with World of Warcraft, and oh, only I mean, right? and here's and here's why because it was going to use the Facebook Games platform. You know, this was back when games were spamming Facebook feeds and getting making tons of money. So this was like everybody jumping on. Crazy Mark Pincus Zynga days. Mark Pincus Tour yep. One Zynga days. Yep. Okay, it was it was during that, 
And so this group got together, uh, and uh, they needed, you know, developers, and they needed game designers, and they needed PR people, they needed server admins, so I was the lead of the server guys. And uh, it was just me, because there was no other server guys at the time, and there didn't need to be. But uh, the idea was that once they went huge, I was going to be the lead of the server guys. Of course. And I just, you know, I attended all of the meetings and I had a really hard time engaging with the work because I knew it was so doomed to failure. Um, And I don't know what I could have done differently in retrospect other than not take the job. But it was such a great opportunity because... If there was money. And it was all remote. It was was good money. It was remote work. Uh, it was all 100% remote, which was fantastic. You know, that's nice. So it was, it was like, well, maybe they'll have a shot, so I'll give them the best infrastructure possible. But I knew that that was never going to even materialize. So It's hard, though, right? Because at some point, you know, not 90%, 99 probably percent of crazy startup ideas are crazy and stupid, right? <laughs> but occasionally one's not. I guess and I look I, back at it and go... Should I have, should I have been presumptuous enough to tell them what I think they could have done differently? Like, hey, don't don't base it on Flash. Don't base it on the Facebook Games platform. Rethink yeah. your entire freaking idea. Do you think like I couldn't I couldn't be that guy, right? Because then I'm just a Linux kid who's who's speaking up and and mouthing off about about you know something, and it just it ne- I didn't have traction or credibility, so I couldn't I was didn't that didn't feel realistic at the time. But looking back on it now, I kind of feel guilty. Well, I don't think you should feel guilty. I mean, you know, you're hired to build a system, right? Now, having said that, I have also implemented a few rules. Like anyone who says they're going to be the next Facebook, I generally avoid wording. wording <laughs> yeah, that's a limited contract yeah. at best. <laughs> Uber Uber for Y tends to be – or Uber for X tends to be a uh, oh, man, yeah. red flag. Um, any, really, anything where it's TechCrunch Darling for insert noun – Tends to be not good. Um, so this episode of Grumpy Old Men is brought to you by yeah, boy, you Meta know Crystal. what? No, well, no, it's it's just it's uh, it, yeah, it, they're just you know no, it, we're sharing we're sharing war stories that people can learn from, and you know what else you can learn from? Our sponsor, DigitalOcean. They have great documentation for their service and for things you can do on it. It's a, it's really a great platform for you to spin up. Your own system on their cloud infrastructure. Use the promo code Coder Digital and get a ten dollar credit. They are built on top of Linux. They use KVM. They have SSDs throughout their infrastructure. Their data centers are connected with crazy fast like forty gigabit e connections. They have data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Toronto. Uh, they got them in Germany. Uh, and what I love about DigitalOcean is the pricing structure is such that you could honestly start. Really, today, you could start in a Docker container on your laptop, build something there, and decide you'd like to have somebody else look at it, or you'd like to actually try it on a you know, production system, uh, or even put it into testing. Within 55 seconds, you could spin up a server for only $5 a month, 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. And with one click, you could deploy Ubuntu LTS, the latest installation of Docker, and you're done. I mean, it really, in a couple of minutes, you can go from developing on your laptop to having it up on a server with crazy fast connection and a fantastic interface to manage it, take snapshots, transfer it, 
It is a really, really slick system and interface. You should check it out just for their interface alone. And then on top of that, they have a great API, really straightforward, lots of good code already written to take advantage of that API. So use our promo code CODERDIGITAL and support the show and get a $10 credit. Let's go to DigitalOcean.com and try them out. They have a great interface, great systems, tons of distros, and free BSD to choose from. I love me some DigitalOcean. I've got Minecraft and OwnCloud and BitTorrent Sync and SyncThing and QuasalCore and NB. And, and oftentimes an RTMP server or um, when on, on occasion an IceCast server, depending on what we're working on when we're out in the field. I've also so, been experimenting with like a track car and things like that too. So it's, it's your, there's so many great things you can do and for $5 a month. And by the way, uh, if you only use it for a couple of hours, you're not paying $5. And that's something really to consider too with that promo code, code or digital, you get the $10 credit. It, look at the way they do their pricing. You could just experiment with a few things for quite a while. You can break down their pricing in hourly. And uh, a $10 credit would get you a long way just to try out a few different things and experiment with a few different projects. That's a... I, I, I just I can't even imagine if I had that even five years ago, even even five years ago when I was building JB websites and infrastructure or five years before that when I was building websites and infrastructure for clients. It's sort of been such a game changer for me. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code Coder Digital and a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Go check them out. They've also got fantastic documentation, great tutorials and a lot of code written. You can, you can poke out. DigitalOcean.com, promo code, coder digital. So uh, I don't know what to make of this story, Mike, so I wanted to run it past you so maybe you could explain yeah, your Chris, thoughts. I was actually going to propose something even crazier. Oh, oh, lay it on me. Lay it on me. Let's, let's toss your doc. Okay. It's out. Get it? You know what? As, as a you. Get the hell out of here. Get out of here. Get it gone. out of here. Okay, Peace. it's gone. It's gone. Peace. Yeah. All right. I mean, really, I, I just I can't bring myself to talk about Apple today. It's, okay, that's good. That's good. You know, because the whole theme. Though, I, what about that Microsoft story, though? Come on, that's 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 right, current. But in a minute, let, let, okay. let's 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 get to some meat here. Let's get to some. <laughs> I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, you got me riled up. You, you, mm-hmm. you really, mm-hmm. you know that that East Coast flare is coming out, which means I'm going to stroke it a little bit. That's different. You were in consulting in, let's say, what what years would you say? Oh man! Oh wow! Uh, I would have to Were go backwards. Still in it? Let me ask you this time period: mid to early two thousands ish. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I would okay. say, I would say, uh, two thousand and five is when I got into contracting and consulting. I think, I think it's around there. So, okay. uh, and well, I, I was, I, I was in. I was I in. Uh, I was in as a sys, you know, just like a full time, you know, you know, sixty wow. hour a week sys admin between like the end of ninety nine and two thousand five. Okay, so yeah, I would say you know it's weird because I worked part time jobs, but I I didn't. Hmm, let's say eight nine right because I w- there was this weird position between transitioning between part time work and like what I did not realize was consulting at the time, but basically ten ninety nine contract work right. Um, when did you get out? Mm, now that's that's hard. So I sort of spun down. I think over 2012 and 2013, and then okay. maybe I'm trying to remember when I went full time JB. I want to say it might have been 2014, 2013, sometime in there. Oh and wow! I, so it was it hasn't been so long. No, okay. no, and that because I had like one. Cli- I kept one client. 
and then I and then when I went full time, that's when I finally got rid of all my clients. And then even then, for like a year after, they would call me every now and then, and I would go out and I actually no no joke. Uh, just two weeks ago, got a call from one of my old clients because they were in an emergency and <laughs> wanted to pay me an emergency rate to come down. So yeah, but it was so it's it's hard for me to say. It was sort of a transition between twenty thirteen well, and yeah, fourteen. I mean, obviously, you're never going to do zero consulting. If someone calls you with the right amount of gold bullion, you'll probably show up, but. Mm-hmm. Let's say, when did it not be your primary uh, revenue generator? I would probably say 2014 would probably be safe. 2013, I'm not sure. Somewhere in there. Probably 2014. Let's just say to be uh, safe. Okay. I think I may be getting there. I think the, um, you know, it's interesting because I primarily focus on the mobile and web, well, now primarily the web space, but. You know, it was weird. It went web, mobile, web, right? It was like this weird back and forth Mm -hmm. thing. I have to say in the relatively short time I've been doing it, let's say seven years, whatever, it has gone from incredibly, incredibly easy and, you know, just generally – like logical, right? It went from a very logical place to – I kind of feel like it's gone insane. Yeah. I and I'm not sure that. if this is like a, a Republican Party slash East Coast fiscal conservative things. Like, did <laughs> I leave it or did it leave me? Like, I'm, I'm really not sure. You know, have I just become more jaded that I, you know, on the one hand, I I get a lot of projects pitched to me as as you know, people would probably guess, right? But I would say virtually none of them are viable. And the ones that are viable, you know, particularly in mobile, things have radically changed to the point where I don't think I recognize it anymore. Like, not the technology, it's for, you know, that's all. But... Hmm. Just the business of providing mobile solutions and mobile consulting. Like we talked about two years ago when we did this show, I had I took issue with these phantom companies that existed, right? I called them something else, but they're effectively fake consultancies that are just little LLCs that they have little relationships with these other people and other companies, and they get in work and subcontract them. They've went from a minor nuisance and a minor inconvenience to you know, virtually dominant Hmm. to the point of, you know, the whole model has changed, right? Like I was, do you think you can blame some of that on the fact that uh, it's so easy for them to build from existing code and like frameworks and things like that, that they can, they can really for just an incredibly low price subcontract. I I kind of blame it on clients actually, because, you know, having now run two consultancies where I tried to do the, relatively full-time staff and in, in the in Buccaneer we're W2 full-time that payroll cycle is coming every two weeks god I know and you know when you're just having a bunch of 1099s or a bunch of freelancers or whatever it's really easy to say hey man you get paid when I get paid but you know payroll is and I don't know how Washington state is you can't miss payroll in New Jersey you just can't like if you do they, they close you technically um, obviously, the if you do implies and someone complains, right? So you get into positions unless you're you're really well capitalized. Of even though you're doing the work, or you're a company that actually has 
all of the technical, all of the business, all of the process resources on hand. It's literally butts and seats. You are in a much weaker condition than competitors to you who are simply guys renting Regis one-day offices when they need to have a meeting or literally sitting at their kitchen table cold calling people through HubSpot or Infusionsoft or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. not only because that, no- don't you also feel like it sort of locks you in in a sense that you now uh, – like you couldn't radically change on a dime and do something that produces way less revenue. If it was just you, you could make a decision to change, produce way less revenue and still survive. But now that you have uh, people that are dependent on you, you have to guarantee a certain amount of – so. This isn't actually a problem I personally face, but I would imagine like if all of a sudden I wanted to pivot and and do some sort of other thing completely unrelated, you know, uh, Washington Tree action show. Um, I don't I don't imagine you know that would probably be very well supported by the audience or the sponsors. We would probably lose a bunch of revenue. It would not be possible. So if I wanted to go do a podcast about the trees in Washington. I would I would not be able to in the same sense that if you wanted to just sort of just sort of focus on one particular client or market, uh, for example, say one client came along and it looked like it was really going to work for like a year, but it only be enough revenue to just pay for yourself. Uh, it's only enough work for yourself. You can't, it's not really an opportunity you could take on. Do you follow my reasoning? Yeah, I do. But that's actually not the worst case scenario, right? So that, so. You're saying that you would either have to pass up uh, pass up um, opportunities or effectively lay people off, right? That's yeah, really yeah. Because sometimes the market changes, and now you have to sort of do something else that maybe produces less no, revenue. That's it, right there. The market changes. So, the norm has become these pseudo "don't call us a collection of freelancers." Freelancers. They're. I mean, and this is you know I'm I'm just talking here, so please I don't. Um, I don't mean to crush anybody's spirit here, but I'm actually starting to think the the traditional butts and seat, seat small shop, and we're not talking Thoughtbot and Black Pixel because they are capitalized and they can finance themselves forever, is not exactly viable in its current form as a pure dev shop, right? Let me give you a great example. Okay. Clients pretty much have internalized that. Well, let me give you a better let me give you a, a better use case, right? There are a lot of ways to close uh, contracts, to close sales, effectively, right? Do you know what the best one is? A uh, phone call or an in-person nope. lunch Sim- meeting. Simply know the person who handles oh. vetting the contract. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, no kidding. Yeah, that's that is sure. it. So w- what I'm seeing is. And I'll be totally honest. My uncle is one of my main competitors, and he's he's uh, he's rough. Is you get a guy who who has relationships, be that guy, and just effectively freeze everybody else out, and then subcontract to work the work to them on bad terms. Mm. Right. So, so what does this mean? Well, you know, and I'm in a position where we're considering pivoting towards products or something like that, right? Something where the value is not purely transactional. And and let me dissuade any illusions from any, any you know, people in Kansas who think they're going to do well contracting. You are transactional. You are transactional to your client. Your client does not care about you. They care about what you're providing. 
for that limited time that it's worth it. And I only pick on Kansas because Zane at otters.io did an excellent blog post that everybody should check out. It's otters.io. Um, but it's true, right? And the value proposition that used to be there for a Butson seat shop is, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, and it could be a regional thing, it could be a business cycle thing, but I think it's quickly evaluating because the most important element is the business relationships for the sales. And, you know, for, for the people who are going to listen to this, who are going to be technical founders, that is going to be something you're missing. So, in other words, uh, if you have a fancy presentation and somebody that the client can speak to and feel like is managing them, the back-end actual work being done is not the selling or important aspect. So the back-end work could be ha- is being handed off to people that might not even be in the same country. Maybe the quality is horrible. But as long as that interface to the client is 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 good and maybe even a friend or has an in that's all it really takes you know i would be as bold to say i've been very focused on like processes and code quality on the dev side for a while now i would say that is 100 percent the wrong area to focus on <sighs> that makes a lot of sense unfortunately because it doesn't matter <laughs> what the actual amount of work you got done is if the value is not perceived and conversely if you did nothing <laughs> and the person thinks you did a lot or they, you know, they trust you from their old frat or whatever it is, right? You're fine. Now, eventually, of course, you can't, you know, I'm, I'm not saying a bunch of frat guys or, you know, let's call them finance guys who, you know, r- former mortgage sellers, right? Let's say that can open pseudo dev shops and just scam people out of money. No, obviously you have to produce. But no one cares how epic your dev process yeah. is. No one cares what tool chain you're using <laughs> right. for the most or part. Or how clean your – well, I mean, nobody really cares how clean your code is unless you're delivering them open source code or something. I and mean, when you're delivering a binary or you're delivering you know, an app in a store, they don't really ever know. And <laughs> they don't know. Right. It doesn't matter. What cares are cost. When can you get it done? No. Can you give me a fixed bid, fixed time, but I need to be able to do revisions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It matters more maybe in web development. I would say it's actually worse than web development because in web development you have all of these prepackaged solutions. Like yeah, WordPress well, that is true. That is yeah. Yeah. One yeah. that are gonna yeah. yeah. Where in mobile you really don't have that yet, right? You have some cannibalization from, you know, there's all these weird. There's like Ionic, there's Cordova, there's you know Xamarin. There's a, an embarrassment of choices that it's not reasonable so, for you to do. Does it, in the big picture, when you say you blame it on clients, is it because it really comes down to the clients not having taste and not having the correct understanding when they go into a project of what the actual things of value are that they should be seeking? And, of course, you why know, would they? I, How could they? But that is yeah, what the problem is, isn't it? That they don't know? I, no, I, I think what happened is that maybe maybe, maybe that's an overstatement. I, I think everybody's a little guilty, right? Um. You know, the the folks like me who were kind of annoyed with the fake consultancies, but you know what? They tend to pay, right? Well, so and couldn't you also – I mean, if, if I'm playing devil's advocate, I would criticize you for perhaps missing the mark on the client's expectations because one could say you should have the insight that they don't really care how, what process you followed or what or, – or how clean yeah. the code is. You know, that's sort of an insight maybe you should have had. And I think that's true. The problem, though, right, is the old triangle. 
You have quality, time, right. and price. And you want to be a boutique shop that is valuable. That you know, there's a there's no, a reason, no, no, right? No, that's not it. There is there is a a quantifiable change that happened, and I would say it happened in 2014. Uh, t- time and price became fixed, right? So the oh. only thing that could suffer was quality, and price went down, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you can you can actually just look this up. There are there is one. There's a big trend towards insourcing, towards hiring people directly. So that doesn't help if you're if you're in the boutique shop position. There's also consolidation between little shops, either getting forced out or simply you know absorbed by by the big guys. It's almost a situation of how do I want to put this? Think of the way you should think about it is filters, right? So instead of let's just make up the name of a big company, Godzilla Development, right? Love or it. Godzilla Studios. Okay. Where before I might have been competing with a smaller version of them directly, the reality is now they're the client. They're my client because, you know, I just can't get into the RFP. And and this is not just me. I've been talking to a lot of other people who own shops. And, you know, the percentages of people's businesses who are effectively subcontracting from competitors – meaning they're taking work from people who are formerly their competitors on, let's call them difficult terms, right? Kind of the I'll pay you when I pay you sort of thing. (laughs) Oh, and if things don't work out, I'm going to lay it on you. Um, Is, you know, I had one guy tell me his whole consultancy is now just serving his old competitors because he just could not get in, which is something I have been spending a ton of effort trying to resist. Um, and almost universally failing, by the way. <laughs> like, like you just can't, you know, you, you just can't compete if your overhead is all dev and all kind of technical people. You can't afford the 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 salesman who, you know, if he's any good, he's going to want a commission and a base and healthcare, right? You know, you know, it also means every person on your team really has to be essential and really has to like really bring something because they are uh you know it, it is it is such a critical balance that you have to be able to walk there so wh- how where do you take this now well i don't have a silver bullet right and in the reality too is talking to other people in agencies a lot of people have you know i'm kind of don quixote here tilting at windmills i'm trying to avoid the oh i'm just gonna you know yeah be one guy in an office do sales and, and subcontract to other people oh, it's horrible though that there is Many of my peers have literally decided to do that, right? They keep one or two guys. They keep a project manager. They keep some salespeople. And they've you know, told all the devs, you can be freelancers or you can leave. Um, I don't – you know, on the one hand, this is the free market. And the free market is basically saying that the value is in the end result as far as the client is concerned, not in how they got there, Right. And by the way, you do this all the time. Your phone is not made by Apple. Really. It's designed by Apple. Mm-hmm. Samsung and Sony make most of it, and then they stap an Apple logo on the back. And they send it over to uh, uh, what's-their-faces to uh, – Oh, the Gorilla Glass guys to do the coding. Well, right. and you've got – I was trying to remember the name of the factory, uh, Foxconn. Oh, Foxconn. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, this is kind of the model that Dev Consulting has taken where, you know, I'm not going to name names, but let's just call it Godzilla Co. Right? They'll take on a huge – project the only employees working on that project are a sales guy and a project manager everybody else is a freelancer 
Yeah. You know, yep. this reminds me of is uh, my consulting, towards the end of my consulting, there was the two trends I really noticed was a lot of on-premises servers were going to hosted. Like Exchange was a big one. And then it was starting to become Active Directory and a bunch of other things. So that was a really interesting trend because it meant less work for me. Um, although I got work helping make some of the migrations, moving an entire company to hosted Exchange was quite the process. Oh, I got, that must have been. A, <laughs> you got to you, you had to touch every machine that had Outlook. Uh, so the other thing that I really noticed was companies like Staples and um, oh yeah, other large companies were buying up our competitors. So for for my for a long period of time. I worked as a contractor, but I was an employee. But they sent me out to all their clients, and I had a whole bunch of clients. And one of the th- and so they were a, of a size where they were for a while a little too small. But then all of a sudden, as we grew, they started showing up on some of these bigger companies' radars. And so we we got to see essentially what was happening is they would come and court these. Uh, you know, there were there every town. Mike had a had a computer guy. Every town here in Washington had a yes. computer guy, and some of them got to be some bigger operations, and some of them uh, were really uh, – we had one – I can't remember. It was like Moose something. Uh, Moose they – were, they were actually one of my favorite. They were very large. They sold a ton of compact hardware back before HP bought them, and they got in with Citrix, and they were a huge consulting company as far as like I was concerned, and they got bought out. Um, and there was a lot, of, like, a lot of this consolidation happening, and <clears throat> in a lot of cases – the owners were either just leaving or they were eventually starting their own companies over again, just like they're on their own. But in a lot of cases, they would start marketing extremely, extremely heavy in those areas with rates that were completely unreasonable because what they'd say is fixed cost. We'll come in. We'll manage all of your systems for a flat fixed fee per month. And then when there was something – and they would try everything they could before they'd do on-site. Of course, they had remote access to everything. Uh, in fact, in one case, they even like managed all of – you didn't contact Microsoft to get a license. You went through them. They managed the firewall licensing, everything, the, the, the antivirus license. They, man, they were in so deep, but they would never send anybody on-site unless they had to. And when they had to, they would subcontract that out to the lowest bidder. So some of these guys that used to be the owners of the companies that got bought out that now have their one-man shops, every now and then they get a gig. But, of course, they're burned out and they don't like the company, so they do a really half-assed job. And it, it, they were just killing us at the rate. So maybe our rate might have been 125 an hour, right? And they'd come in at 95 or $75 an hour when they had to send somebody on site. And you would get up to a certain amount of hours prepaid. So if you bought the monthly fixed rate to manage your whole network, that might also include 60 hours of on-site or something like that, which they would just throw in. And, which, how do you compete with that? Because when you come and say, well, yeah, every time we come on site, we charge. Well, these guys will come on site for 60 hours for free for a flat fixed rate. How do you compete with that? And you just couldn't. And so that was the other trend. So then when I, when I went on to my own gig, I, I basically had people that knew me and kept those clients for a while. And they weren't really at risk of, of getting rolled into something yeah. like that. Well, I mean, devil's advocate, right? This is the market cycle, maybe. And maybe development and technical work is simply now a commodity like everything else. Right? So if you want to maintain the type of traditional, you know, um, traditional, let's say, shop mentality, right, with butts and seats, maybe you now have to somehow, quote, move up the value chain. I don't know what that means, which is literally something I'm trying to figure out. But, you know, I'm thinking about all the other types of, like, shops, like woodworking shops, plumbing shops, you know, 
a lot of these plumbers, their main client is AJ Perry now, right? The huge national plumbing company that just subcontracts. Like, this isn't unique to our industry, I think, Chris. I mean, tell me what you think. No, I think it's exactly what it is, unfortunately, which which means that it's probably a lock. <laughs> it's probably going to happen regardless. Well, I think it's a lock, yeah. yeah. <laughs> think about this. If you're Godzilla Co., what do you do? I'll send you the work. Oh, but um, if you ever post that you did this project or that, that they were really, you know, something you worked on, we'll sue the crap out of you. So, so they can continue using that to sell. And you don't realize it, but it's not a partnership because the day either there's a mishap or they can get a better rate somewhere else, mm. that's what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sort of like uh, – it's sort of like having to continually hop to the next thing. And you want to try to avoid that. You want to be able to settle down and just get into something. But maybe that's sort of the problem is that's not really an option in this field anymore. You can't really right. – that 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 time has come and gone, perhaps unless unless you know you don't do you you don't do the the, the work for hire kind of thing. I mean, I, what an what a, what a radical concept. Yeah, you could you could try something else, but uh, yeah. and I think that's where we should leave it. Well, why don't uh, why don't before we get we have I have so you I don't know if you saw this, but you have inspired a couple of people, so I want to read those really quick. Uh, but first, I'll mention uh, Linux Academy. And oh, also, if uh, if anybody has uh, any thoughts on what Mike's talked about, coderadio.reddit.com. Adam Van- from Vancouver, he was here. You know, he's often here, right? And uh, he uh, he joined us over jblive.tv. You guys should join us, too, on Mondays. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. So I want to talk really quickly about something that uh, Linux Academy has been working on. They just released a whole slew of updates. So if you're not familiar with Linux Academy, Go visit them. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders to support the show and uh, get yourself a discount. So they've been working on a whole bunch of stuff. They have a whole learning platform for technology based around Linux and open source. And uh, they've launched new courses that are really, really fantastic. Because I, one thing I definitely notice at scale is a lot of people, I noticed this at OSCON too, are talking about Ansible. A lot of people are talking about Ansible. So they've got a new course around Ansible and AWS. They have an advanced AWS security course now. Uh, they have the EC2 container service, and using that, there's a new courseware. Docker and Elastic Beanstalk. They have some new live labs, which are really awesome. And something that I think is definitely worth checking out, they're trying something new. Cloud Cadet, and it's, they got their first episode out. Check it out. Uh, and they also, they also uh, have released an iOS app. So, and they're working on their Android app, too. So Linux Academy, this is just... They just announced some of this stuff in their live show. It's like, this is one of the just the, the small perks of having a membership like this is that reoccurring revenue for them means that they can invest in development and invest in hiring staff. And they've just done that. They've been, their team has been blowing up. And they have people dedicated now to work on quality of content. They've got people dedicated to work on brand new content. And they have people dedicated on going back and making sure that content stays relevant. So they're, really de- they're investing in multiple areas right now, full-time people doing this work and it makes linux academy a step above everybody else because not only do they have 2205 video courses self-paced courses you can take they have scenario labs they have really a slick system that you just choose the linux distro they have seven plus distros to choose from and then they spin up the server it matches that distro and the courseware automatically adjusts they have an availability planner where you can set how much time you have available and they have instructor help when you need it linuxacademy.com slash coders. Go check them out and check out some of the new features and check out the community. Lots of JB members in there. linuxacademy.com slash coders and a big thank you to Linux Academy 
for sponsoring the Coda Radio program. Okay, so we'll just do a couple of emails and then we'll go uh, because we had a whole bunch of stuff. But I actually one one. One, one I wanted to kind of follow up with you on. So the first one, though, comes in from Wesley. He says he's wanted to know, he wanted to know if there is any interest in revamping the mobile community app. He says, I'd love to help contribute, but not sure how others feel about starting one again. Um, <clears throat> there is an Android app. I'm not sure how current it is. Uh, but he says maybe we could start a JB community app, uh, but not focus on streaming video or audio, which other apps probably already handle. But instead, we could build some other kind of JB app, such as where users could send questions during shows, get in the chat room, etc. Or maybe just stock simple or something like the calendar. Uh, uh, just curious. And he was considering using Ionic. In fact, a couple of people wrote in saying they're considering using Ionic. So we have uh, we do have a developer community. Um, what you should really do if you want to get involved, because yes, I would really anytime anybody wants to help, I would really appreciate it. If you want to get involved. Probably the best resource would either be the chat room uh, or go to jupitercolony.com and look at some of the resources there, jupitercolony.com. And we have some, some things linked there. Uh, okay. And our last email, uh, this came from the Hawk of Truth, so I wanted to get to this one. He says, hi, Chris and Mike. Here's the thing. The iPad Pro needs a native file system to support professional work. Here's an example. During our home inspection, I inquired why so many inspectors were using Surface Pros. Resounding response was... Apps can't anticipate all of my workflows and tasks and how they relate, which is pretty much very true. So I'm wondering, Mike, I know you were experimenting with the iPad Pro. Any follow-up on that, sucker? Yeah, it definitely needs some uh, better API support, but I, I have some hope for it. it. The price point needs to come down, too, for people to actually buy it. I think I, I really think that answer is really insightful, that you know, the apps really can't anticipate what you might need to share or what information you might need to share in between applications. They just simply can't, because every workflow is a little different. Everybody has their edge case. And uh, the, at the end of the day, I love saying that, when you write to the file system and other apps can read the file system, it just it lets you be the go-between. It lets you be the transition layer. So I, I really agree. So there you go. Thank you, Hawk Truth. All right. So if you'd like to contact the Coda Radio program, here's how you do it. You go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. Choose Coda Radio from the dropdown. Or you can go to codaradio.reddit.com. Also a great place to submit stories. We'd love it when you do that. Do more of that. And feedback. We'll have a thread for 190 in there. Go check out Mike. He's online. Did you know that? Buccaneer Tech. He's over there. Dominic on the, uh, on the, on the uh, Twitters. We got links to stuff. Anything else you want to plug, Mr. Dominic? No, nope. he's gone. He's out. He's going to go. I'm gone. I'm gone. He's gone. I'm flying to California. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. I bet. I bet. All right. Well, thank you for tuning this week's episode of Quarter Radio. We would like to have you join us live, jblive.tv, Monday, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. They can hang out in our chat room and help name the show. It's always a good time. All right. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Quarter Radio. <laughs> See you right back here next week. <laughs>